we've been talking about in the laws of prosperity. And if I carry over to the morning service, you just hold on. We're going to be all right because we don't care, right? The seed is the word of God. Remember that? So what must be planted? The word. In order to get the harvest and in order for you to identify the harvest, word has to be planted. So as you tithe and give, word has to be planted before you put money on it. Why? Because money is a, a, an appropriate sign or appropriate thing to do as a result of planting. You give. Giving is the appropriate action. It's a commensurate action. You don't have faith without giving. You might as well write it down. If you got faith, your heart says give. Because it is the commensurate action of faith. Because it's looking to accelerate. And your seed, your gift will accelerate it. Ooh, Jesus. I said your gift will accelerate it. The Bible says your gift is talking about the other kind of gifts that's in you. But your gift will make room for you. It'll just, it'll just cause the stuff that just kind of laying there. Your gift says, oh, we're going into action. Kind of like when people walk, you walk in the door and people know who you are and they make room for you. When it look like there is no room. You ever been there? Or they, the servers fight over you, who going to wait on you? Because they know you from your gift. We would go to restaurants and still go someplace. The people fight over who going to serve us because of our gift. They ain't fighting on nobody giving them a $2 tip. And not wrong with a $2 tip if that's your best tip. But let me tell you something. When you go out and you leave a good tip, they will remember you. They will remember your name. And they're going to send their best waiter to wait on you. See, y'all think y'all said, no, they don't. That's not, they got people assigned. I've seen them reassign people to our table. Because they're going to give us the best way. You know why? Because they know that we went to dinner recently. And we had carried our family there to the, the same restaurant some time ago before my husband passed. And then since he passed, we went there. They are, the lady that came in there, she run the place all by herself. It must have been at least, what, nine, ten of us? 12 of us. She running that area by herself. Then they didn't put us at the regular table. They carried us in the little private dining room. Can I get an amen? She running the place by herself. She didn't need no help. Why? She know from the last experience she had with us, she going to get a good tip. And she might have walked away with $200 as a tip. Because everybody at the table was giving. <laughs> See, let me tell you something. Your gift will accelerate things in your life. This is why you cannot be stingy. You need to find a seed. You need to find a gift to give when you come to the house of God. You need to have a gift in your hand. It's going to accelerate some things in your life. Oh, Jesus. Look at Matthew 6. 
So the word is the seed you got to plant. And do you not know the first compromise that the devil have you to make is the tithe and the offering? See, that's what throw your whole house out of order because you start messing with the tithe and the offering. Nothing else works in your house when you compromise with the tithe and the offering. Everything gets out of sync. Everything. I don't care how neat you are. I don't care how organized you are. Your life can be a wreck. When you start touching the tithe, then the offering. Stuff going to start falling apart. Stuff going to shortage is going to be created. And you can be saying to yourself, how in the world did this happen? And you go back and you look and you say, oh, I stopped giving. You were tithing, but you stopped giving. See, it's your gift that accelerates you. The tithe keeps you current. It gives you access. Your gift accelerates the things in your life. See, because that's something you want to do. That shows heart to God saying, this is what I want to do. I want to show you how much I care about you. <laughs> so at Christmas, you should be planning a good gift for God. It's his birthday. At least that's what we celebrate, right? How many of y'all have birthdays? If you don't, you're an alien. When your birthday comes, you want somebody to recognize it. And you want somebody to give you a gift. Better than they normally would if they just walked up on you and said, you know, I would think about you and I bought you this box of candy. Because, you know, that happens. People think about you. as they, I got people that think about me all the time. But, you know, you kind of got an expectation at Christmas. Well, I wonder what Jesus is expecting on his birthday. Does he have a right to expect a better gift than you normally give all year long? Oh, you don't think like that, apparently. No, because you're planning your income tax money already. Because you know you don't got in debt between October and December with Christmas stuff. Okay, that was a freebie. But did I tell you turn to a scripture yet? Nope. That's, I told you Matthew 6. Okay. Compromise starts at home when you touch the tithe and the offerings. Now, parents like God, I tell you, they all go running together because I, I tell you, God was just all over the place with me. Parents like God should be predictable. I say it again. Parents like God should be predictable. Your family should know, say no, no, or have some idea how you will respond under pressure. If you expect God to respond to you when you're under pressure, then you must prove that you can handle pressure. And you started at home. When you got financial issues at home, how do you respond at home? Not when you're looking at me or you're looking at your brother and sister in the Lord. How do you act at home when there's a financial issue? Somebody say you owe them money. You know, it's crazy stuff happening in our system. So you better keep track of your stuff, you know. 
I know y'all pay a lot of stuff online. I'm not against it. That's your bag. That's your cup of tea. Have at it. But you better have a piece of paper that says you paid it. Print it out. If you pay it online, print it out. Have your own file. Because they'll send you a double bill, and, you, and if you can't prove that you paid it, you still owe it. Or they're going to cut your stuff off. So don't get so comfortable letting the world attend to your finances that you don't have any inkling. Why? Because under pressure, you may not fare so well because you got somebody else taking care of your business. Mm. Ouch, Pastor Diana. And if they make a mistake, it's on you. Did you notice that? When they make a mistake, you got to correct it. They're not calling you to fix it. Hmm. So you should be just as predictable as God when you operate under pressure. Hmm. So in other words, what you're saying, Pastor Dana, that I'm supposed to be able to handle pressure Absolutely, because if you can't, that means you have not grown spiritually. You should be able to handle financial pressure by now. Those in this room online, I can't speak for you because I'm not in your space, but they've been trained so strategically in this room. Nobody in this room that say they're a member should fall apart under financial pressure. We teach you how to handle pressure. And if you need that kind of teaching, you need to be a part of this congregation. Amen? Because it's missing in our household. It's missing in our lives. See, you should be predictable. Your child should be able to say, if I do something wrong, I know what my dad and mom are going to say and do. See, that's a boundary you set. That they can predetermine whether or not if they want to do what they're going to do. If it violates household order but when you give your child a free will in your house to do whatever they don't have boundaries which means they don't know how you're going to respond if they do what they do they only know you're going to respond after they've done it and that's incorrect they should know in advance say in advance what you would do if they did if they committed a crime if they stole somebody's pencil, if they went to school and lied, they should know what you're going to do. Oh. If they don't know what dad and mama would do in an environment like that, you're not protecting them. See, everywhere I read in this word, I can go back and trace what God will do for me. That's why I was written, so I know what God will do. <laughs> that way, if I decide that I don't want to tithe and give, I already know the penalty. I already know in advance the outcome of my not tithing and giving. 
because he wrote it for me. That's predictable. See, it's self-explanatory. You don't have to make up and almost believe or assume. He told you what would happen. The devourer is going to come and eat your mess up. You're going to make yourself an open prey to the enemy. It's predictable. Say predictable. And God don't work in mysterious ways, as people say, where it's unknown to you. Now, you may not know who he, who he will use or the method he might use, but you know the outcome. <laughs> you should know the outcome. <laughs> Woo, Jesus, I know. You should know the outcome. Because that's what expectation is. Expectation is, I know the outcome. I'm just waiting on it. How you have expectation for more money when you don't know what money, how it's supposed to come? Mm. See, we were never to go to God without knowing, say knowing, what he will and will not do. You're not supposed to pray until you know what he will do. And you're supposed to pray according to his will. Well, it's his will, his word. So that means I got to plant word when I, before I pray. I got to plant word before I pray. Otherwise, I'm just speaking words into an atmosphere to create confusion and, 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 and really begin to, begin to create a dismay or you become disheartened. Why? Because it looked like you're praying for nothing. But you don't have any word to back up what you're saying. You are imitating. You're like a parakeet. You are saying what somebody tells you to say. But you have a planted in a word that will bring forth the harvest. And then put a gift on it. Which means you got to take time to plant before you pray, when you want real answers to real prayers, you plant before you pray. I got to get in there. What does the word say about it? It may not tell me to buy a Cadillac, but what does the word say about a car? What does God say that I have a, the right to? Is this my right? Am, am, I, am I in your will asking for it right now? See, you need to know that before you go to asking for it. And then you said, well, the, the, I've been asking the Lord for that for the last 20 years. There's something wrong with this picture. <laughs> you may not have planted the seed you thought you planted. You've been saying a lot of word, but you haven't planted. You don't need but one scripture to plant. If you plant that one deep enough, it'll produce it will produce. Mm. So we are never to go to God without knowing what he will and will not do. And because we don't always know who he will use or what method he will use, but we are supposed to know the outcome. I'm supposed to know that when I pray, he hears me. According to 1 John 5, 14, the Bible declares that if I turn to it, 
Let's turn to it. Don't, yeah, let's turn to First John. So you read it for yourself. Look right at it. First John. Come on, come on, scripture. First John chapter 5, verse 14. Hold on. You got it? See, when you know the will, what, what is present? Whenever you know the will, something is all comes along with knowing the will. Confidence. Confidence comes when you know the will. And this is the confidence that we have in him. That if we ask anything, so that means according to his what? That means I must know his will before I start asking. Because why? Knowing his will is going to create confidence. <laughs> Knowing his will. Not saying Pastor Diana said God would do that. You don't know the will yet. You know I know it. You don't know you know it yet. You need to get in there and find out the will of God. Then plant that will. <laughs> plant that will. Because it's going to create confidence. And the more you get up and confess that will, ah, the stronger, the deeper, the wider. Your confidence begins so big that when you start saying that things are shifting, it begins to shift all over the planet. Angels going to work. They are gathering and heaping up stuff for you. They're calling it from the north, the south, the east, and the west. And you don't care which way God bring it. You just know it's happening. Why? I got confidence. Where did I get that confidence? I learned the will. I learned his will. It's his will that I be whole. It's his will that I prosper. It's his will that I not be sick. It's his will that I have great relationships. It's his will that I be rich. But I got to plant the seed of the word that goes along with healing, that goes along with being rich, that goes along with good relationships. I just can't say something out of the air because it sounds good. No, I got to plant because the word is a seed that you sow. And then you bring a gift. Mm. The word is a seed that you sow. And giving money without word being planted brings frustration. It breeds frustration. Because you're looking for a a turnaround harvest. You need it in three days, and it looks like it's not coming. See, that, that tells God already, okay, you won't have no word planning. And Jesus said, oh, ye of little faith. Oh, ye of little faith. What did he say? Oh, you of little word. Because how does faith come? It comes from the word. It comes from the hearing of the word. It comes from the hearing of the word. Who's doing the talking? You are. And if you don't talk the word, you can't hear the faith that's, that's got to be planted inside of you. Y'all got to stay away from these dumb conversations in your household that create a negative environment. Quit talking like you're a kid, chewing bubble gum, and, and you don't have nothing else to say and do, but talk what the world say. You better get a new conversation. Get so radical that people think you have lost your mind because you lost it. You got the mind of Christ.
I'm so radical sometimes I have to put the brakes on depending on who I'm talking to because they're, they're standing there looking at me like this and say, whoa, what happened to her? Yeah, because people like, you, you get, the, it, it's flowing and they don't understand the flow. So you had to kind of put the brakes on it. But in my house, in my space, there ain't no brakes. There are no brakes. I speak freely the things of God that I won't manifest in my life. And God is already shifting stuff and moving. I was showing my son something before service started, how God has shifted something concerning this church. And when it's all over and done, we're going to share it with you, how God manifested on this church behalf. You know why? Because we keep saying the same thing, the same way, with the same intensity every single day. Our God is a God of the impossible. Ooh, Jesus. But the devil tried to get you in that zone of arguing. Y'all start arguing over little stupid stuff. Why you leave that spoon in the sink? Pick it up and wash it and put it in the drawer. Why you going to argue about who left it in there? You know who left it in there. Your favorite kid did. They always do it because you don't make them. If you didn't train them to pick up behind themselves, you know who left it. They leave their mark everywhere they go. They got a shoe over here, a sock over there, a fork in the sink. The bed is unmade. And they got the clothes hanging out, the dirty clothes hamper. You already know who did it. Ain't but so many of y'all in the house. But we are arguing and complaining and murmuring. Because it, these things, the devil keep you intertwined in so that you won't ever, ever, ever get word planted. Because every time you do this, you're pulling it up by the root. You're pulling up your word by the root. You keep right on arguing. Next thing you know, you got to start all over again. You're pulling up the word from the root. It's trying to take root. And then you start arguing over silly stuff. You need to pay attention to that. Every time you get a financial situation, watch how the devil make you start arguing about it. Be careful. Even when it's just you, you'll start complaining. Ain't nobody sitting in the room but you. And you'll start saying, I'm so tired of this. Be you so tired of it, say something about it. Talk to it. Tell it to leave you. Be counseled and be gone in the name of Jesus. Instead of saying, I'm so tired of paying this bill, that don't make the bill disappear because you're tired of paying it. Because they're going to send it to you again next month. And the next month. Because you ain't planning no word to make it go away. <laughs> you just complaining. That is not faith. That is perpetual complaining. Because you can be tired of something all day long and never get rid of it. You learn to make adjustments. You make your body shift so you can bear more weight. Instead of getting rid of the weight. We'll buy a back brace so we can carry more weight. <laughs> well, he said, cast all your care on me. For I care for you. 
My yoke is easy. And my burden is light. You under pressure. You ain't supposed to be like that. Ooh, Jesus. And then we talked about how that, that word has to be sown from a heart of peace. So that's why the devil disrupt your house so much and keep it out of order because he know you can't sow the word without peace. Because peace missing, you don't have faith. Peace is a crucial element of faith. I got to have peace when I go to sow. When it's time to tithe and give, I can't be struggling in my mind whether or not, well, you know, if I tithe and give this time, you know, I, I got that card note. I wonder the Lord going to give me my money back because I need, I need it by Tuesday. <laughs> Take the money, go ahead and make your card note because you're not helping yourself. Y'all know I'm telling the truth. Somebody laughing, so I must be telling the truth. That ain't no peace. You're not tithing and giving in peace. You're soaring out of your frustration. And according to 2 Corinthians chapter 9, you're not supposed to tithe and give out of coercion or out of necessity like that, where you're struggling to do it. It's supposed to be done in peace. It's supposed to be happy, hilarious, cheerful, ready to do it, happy to do it. Got any happy tithers and givers in here? You say, this is the longest tithing and giving. This is all your morning message. You need this for more than you do anything else. So shut up and learn something. That's the reason why you're broke. Because you won't let nobody teach you. See, you don't need a feeling. You need to be taught. Helen Bella said, he's more than a feeling. You need to learn that song. You got to be taught because he's more than a feeling. So God is predictable. You should be predictable. So when you come under pressure, people should be able to say, you know what? I know what mama going to do. I know what daddy going to do. They're going to trust God. They're going to believe God. And we're coming out of this. Whenever we got in a financial hardship, and if our children recognized, most times they didn't even recognize the difficulties we were in. But if they were old enough to recognize it, we always assured them, don't worry about it. God got us. You're going to be good. And they kept right on having some place to live. They kept right on having clothes. They kept right on eating. And sometimes we didn't have that much to eat, but they ate. And the key was they were eating. And another thing, this is a freebie for all you parents. You got to teach your children to eat what you cook. Because if not, you're going to go broke trying to satisfy their little whims. And God ain't going to satisfy. You see, that's wasteful. You cook a pot of beans, and because they don't like beans, you go fix a steak for them. You're a dumb parent. They can't cook. They Five years old, and you got to fix a different meal for them. See, I know I'm messing with some of y'all parents now because they start, they're y'all babies. Uh-huh. But they run in the house, not you. But when, if you ever get in a straight, you understand what I'm talking about. If we ever got in a bind in this nation where we couldn't get food in there, most of y'all going to really, really discover who you are. 
We taught our kids you eat what's put before you and you give thanks. It's not because you like it or don't like it. You're being fed and God has provided. Eat. Now as they got older, there were things they could do because they could cook. I trained them to cook. They didn't want to eat what I cook. You go in there cooking yourself, but I'm not cooking. If you won't cook it for yourself, you won't eat it. Because I'm not doing it. See, well, see, you know, y'all, y'all babies, your children. And see, and I spoiled my kids. They said I spoiled them, but, you know, and I probably did, just a tiny bit. But I trained them to do stuff that was life training for them. That wouldn't cripple them when they left home. You shouldn't train your kids just for your house. But most parents train their kids just for their house. They have no life skills when they leave home. But you're waiting for them to turn 21 to get outdoors. We're 18 for most parents. Waiting for them to get outside the door. They don't have no skills. They can't count, can't cook, can't talk. Got a problem with authority. And with everybody to cater them. They're going to have an issue in life. And that's your fault. Because there's nobody out there that's going to pay them, going to listen to them like that. <laughs> they want to go get a job, but they don't want to work. They just want money. See, that's what you train them to do. They just want money. You didn't teach them any character. You taught them to be trifling. And then you want to know why they suck. Then, then you just want them out your house. Because that wasn't less mouth for you to feed. They don't know how to be a husband. They, can't, they don't know what it is to be a wife. And you throw them out there in society. And say, make it on your own. Somebody said they're coming back. <laughs> they come back because you're the only one that can tolerate them. You trained them just for you. You didn't train them for the kingdom. You trained them for you. Mm. Your assignment with the seed of God's heritage is to train them for the kingdom. In spite of what you like and don't like, you're supposed to train your children for the kingdom. That's number one assignment. We used to tell our kids, you may not like me today, you'll love me tomorrow, and you're going to be all right. But today you're going to do this, because this is the way of the kingdom. So your children should be able to predict how you're going to respond. It shouldn't be a surprise to them. Hmm. The Lord said, well, well, suppose God did that to you and said, you know what? I'm going to surprise you today. I'm not going to listen to you. Because I don't feel like listening to you today. <laughs> oh, it'd be some messed up people, wouldn't it? Including all of us in this room. Jesus said, look at uh, what I tell you. Go to Matthew 6. 30. Okay, go there. Matthew 6. 
Let's go there and look and see what it says. Matthew 6, look at verse 25. Hmm. See, Jesus gave us the secret to everything about how to live in this natural realm. Therefore, I say unto you, if you read the previous verses, he's talking about how he provides for the birds and all of that. He says, but he says, where your treasure is, back up in verse 21, that's where your heart will be also. What is he saying to us in that? He said, where you put your most value, that's where I find your heart. Wherever you put your greatest value, if working for a job is your greatest value, that's what you're going to do the most. You'll work for jobs because you believe that's your answer. So that's where your heart is. You got to hear this. That's where your heart is. You're not depending on God. You're depending on your natural ability to work a job. Let me look at my notes right here. Cause see, see, we got we got to come out of this system and do God do things God's way. Cause if not, we're gonna fail in this final hour because the devil trying to set us up. And he says, he see, Jesus trying to get us to release the pressure of how we're gonna make it. He's trying to get you to get rid of the pressure of how you're gonna live, what you're gonna eat, where you're gonna sleep. What you going to drive? He's trying to show us how to get rid of that pressure. He said, put your heart in the right place. Your life will follow your heart. You need to write that one down. That's a good one. Your life will follow your heart. Because mm. where your treasure is, there will your heart be Oh, so, so where you place the greatest value, that's where your heart is, and your life will follow your heart. Now, to go down to verse 25. Now, Jesus said, therefore, I say unto you, take no thought for your life. Wow. Wow. What you shall eat or what you shall drink, nor yet for your body, what you're going to put on it, is not the life more than meat and the body more than raiment. In other words, isn't your life supposed to be used for more than just eating? And isn't your life supposed to be used for more than just your body supposed to be used for more than just wearing clothes? But if I make them my priorities, that's where my heart is. And I'm going to spend all my awakening hours trying to fix that. I'm attending to that. And Jesus said, that's not the way to relieve yourself of the pressure. Mm. He says, look at verse 27. Which one of you? By taking that kind of thought, can add 
one cubit unto his stature. How do you change your situation thinking like that? How do you change what I'm looking at if I don't change what I'm thinking? If I don't change where my heart is being directed at the moment, if my heart is filled with my cares, what I'm going to eat, what I'm going to wear, where I'm going to drive, where I'm going to stay, if those are the things that are consuming my heart, how do I get to the place that Jesus said that I can have? How do I get there? You just gave you the answer. Remember this thing that says stop, drop, and roll? Stop, drop, and change. You got to drop it. That means I got to deliberately. It might take some days for some of you. It might take a couple of months, depending on how ingrained. But you got to change. He says, because you can't change your thought with a thought. Look at verse 28. Why take you thought for raiment? Consider the little. He tell you what you to do. He said, go look out there and look at the flowers. See how they grow. He's giving you an image to look at. He said, they're not worried about what they're wearing. They're not even worried about how long they're going to be up. They're not toiling. Whether or not they're going to have some air to breathe. Whether or not the sunshine going to come out for them today. They're not even worried about it. You're the only thing that's worrying. The birds don't worry. The flowers don't worry. The animals don't worry. We're the only things that worry. He said, worrying goes against my will for you. Because it's going to disrupt faith. Mm. You cannot have worry and faith in the same spot. He says, so why take ye thought for these things? He says, in essence, refuse to even care about them. You got to learn how to refuse. You're looking at a bill and you don't have the money. Refuse to care about it. Can you change your wording? You still ain't got the money. He says, why sit down and worry about it? You still ain't got the money. What are you going to do to bring money to you? Worry you won't do it. Worrying is going to repel money. The more you worry, the broker you become. He says, you got to refuse to worry about your life. <laughs> so when, it's, when you're presented with the temptation to be concerned about your life, he said, refuse the temptation. That's my job. Don't try to take on my job. Oh, I tell you, I'm living out. See, I'm living this. This is why I can tell you this. He said, don't take on my job. I take care of you. Whenever something comes, hand it over to me. That's my job. That's my bill. I know how to fix it. I know how to get rid of it. You just keep tithing and giving and keep praising and worshiping me. Don't worry about it. Refuse to care about it. Refuse to care about it. You don't change it with worrying about it. You change it by casting it over on the Lord. Oh, Jesus. Oh, my goodness. He says, ah. look at verse 30. Wherefore, 
If God so clothed the grass of the field, which today is and tomorrow is cast into the oven, shall he not much more give you some clothes? Oh, ye of little word. You haven't planted any word concerning how I take care of you. That's why you fearful. Because you don't have any word in you about how I have provided for you. Because if you knew, if you really had word in you about how I provided for you, you would not be afraid. Mm. And if you start to plant word, don't pull it up with your arguing, your complaining, your murmuring, and your fear. Don't pull it up. Let it get rooted. This is why your environment is so important. You know, you just can't listen to anything on TV today. It's, most of it's trash. You know, most of it's lies anyway. There are no reality shows. I don't know why y'all watch this. I just don't, I've never had an attraction to them. It's like a nighttime soap opera and all those lies. The edge of night, turn another day, all that stuff. It should be vomiting, vomiting, vomiting. Because it disrupts your faith. If you can sit and watch an hour show, what could you have done towards your prayer life in an hour? What could you do if you refuse to watch one of your favorite TV shows and fasted that show for the next 40 days, the 40 weeks, and say, I refuse to watch it because I'm going to give that hour to the Lord. See, you got time. You're wasting it. Because you think, I'm going to watch TV. This is going to relax me. Man, the best relaxing you can have it is in the presence of God. Because he'll not only relax you, but he'll energize you. He'll vigor, invigorate you. He'll give you expectation. Confidence will come. I'm getting ready to close. I know you're hearing those online. I know you're learning. Go and hit that subscribe, like button, and give us a response in the description box. Y'all know how to do that stuff. Go ahead and do it. Stop pretending you don't know what to do. Go on in there and let us know you're hearing this word. And then share it with somebody. Hallelujah. He says, therefore, take no thought, saying, look at verse 31. What shall we eat or what shall we drink? He must have said this how many different ways in this same dissertation. He's trying to get you to understand it, to be relieved of the pressure. He was trying to get to your heart. Because your heart is the issue. Because your life is going to go in the direction of your heart. Out of your heart flow what? The issues of life. Hmm. So whatever's consuming your heart is the direction your life is going to go. He was trying to get them to make the purpose for which they needed money to become spiritual. And not just for clothes. Oh, Jesus. Not just for food. Not just for a house. Not just for a car. He wanted you to need money for spiritual things. To draw in people. And the house will come. 
Furniture would come. Car would come with no sweat and no toil. Because now you need money to promote the kingdom. Not because you need clothes. This is where we missed it. We tied the gear because what we need for us when he said you not supposed to be your priority. I'm taking care of you. And when you get you out the way and the kingdom is your heart, money coming to you. We, you know, look, you got to learn how to be steadfast. You got to learn how to keep the kingdom as a priority. Because he's trying to get you to have a, a spiritual need so money will show up. Anybody learning this morning? What he was trying to get them to do is to use their money for the kingdom. Because he wanted their heart. He wanted their heart. They did, he didn't have their heart because the money was a priority. They were serving money. Instead of money serving them, they were working for money. Jesus, help me, Lord. Most people work for money instead of seed or a gift, rather. And he told us, don't lay up treasures for yourselves. <laughs> uh. mm. You can't lay up for yourself treasures in heaven unless at the time that this is required of you, you are in the right frame of mind in relation to who you are in Christ. So in other words, I got to have some word and awareness of why I am in this earth. Mm. <sighs> See, here, here, I'm getting to close. Real, I'm getting ready to close. You have got to make your mind up or made your heart up that you're going to be a part of God's channel of provision in the earth. See, that's going to keep you focused. I am becoming a conduit of provision for God in the earth. Takes your mind off of you. I'm becoming a conduit. The money can come through me for whatever God needs me to do in this earth. The money can come through me. I'm not trying to hoard it because I'm not, I'm not working for money. I'm not working for money. I'm not working for money. Because then if I work for money, money determines how my life turns out, not God. Mm. Money will begin to rule my life. And it's not a good ruler. Mm. Money will begin to rule you if you work for money. But if you are doing something on behalf of the kingdom, the money go through you. It'll flow through you. And why it's flowing through you? Because you're building the kingdom. God said, hey, don't you, ain't you ready for a new house? Come on over here. Come on. Look, go over there. He'll put a check in you and say, go look at this house over there. And it may not even be for sale. You ride past, he said, but Lord, somebody living in it. 
dispossess them. That's your house. You want it? Call it. I give it to you. Just like he told Abraham, I've given you the land. Wherever your feet tread, I've given you the land. And because somebody living on it don't mean you can't have it. If God put it in your heart, see, y'all looking at just stuff, you looking at it the wrong way because you're working for money. But when the kingdom becomes your priority, God will send you a message. He'll send you a text and say, I got a new car for you. Debt free. Pick out the color you want. Just like Jesus told the disciple said, when you go over there, tell them I need that donkey. And if they ask you any question, tell them the Lord have need of it. <laughs> it's just that easy. He said, he said, I got a call over here. They just said, if the man said, well, how you going to pay for it? The Lord have need of it. That ain't my concern. The Lord have need of it. I'm not trying to figure out how I'm going to get paid for. Not going to do it. The Lord have need that I have a car. Come on, stand to your feet.